Hello, I'm Mita Mystery and this is Healing Place, the podcast that explores how we can heal our mind, body and emotions using science-based tools and natural healing methods. Today, I chat with Jonathan Hoban. Jonathan is a leading London-based psychotherapist who has pioneered walking therapy, which combines a walk in nature with counselling. His unique therapy has led to striking improvements in many people, including stressed out corporate executives and celebrities. He is an event speaker and the author of Walk With Your Wolf, Unlock Your Intuition, Confidence and Power with Walking Therapy. His work has been featured in the Daily Telegraph, U Magazine, Women's Health and on the BBC. In this episode, Jonathan shares his expertise on the power of walking therapy to help us reduce stress and connect with life. We explore the dangers of social media, unlocking your imagination, the power of setting boundaries to feel in control and more. Let's meet Jonathan. Hi Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me today on Healing Place. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you. I've I've just finished listening to your book, Walk With Your Wolf, and it's fantastic. So thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure. It's great to be here. Thank you. So how are you? What have you been doing? Yeah, no, all good. Um, sort of, you know, looking looking to get back into event speaking at the minute. But um, just just doing doing walking therapy, doing what I love, getting out, sort of doing sessions outside, which, you know, is absolutely my preferred method of delivering sessions. I mean, I think going back into the counselling room, I've struggled with now. I've been doing this for so long. Brilliant. <clears throat> Great. So I really wanted to start by looking at your role as an integrative psychotherapist. What led you to doing this work and what is it so yeah integrative psychotherapy is a model so i work with different different models you know whether it be transaction analysis cbt psychodynamic um person-centered um etc so it's a combination of different different models and um i went through transition in my life you had a lot of um things happen in my life which of course is what lends a lot of psychotherapists to do their job as well and um I'd had counsellors help me in the past. I had some really good counsellors. And um, I, I, to be honest with you, I, when my mother died, when I was very young, I left school early. Um, so I didn't have any A-levels or GCSEs. <laughs> I think I had one AS. And I thought, you know, I had such high anxiety at that time. I thought, what could I do to be around to get some structure in my day? And I thought, these guys were great. You know, they really helped me, um, these counsellors. And I thought, maybe, maybe I could do that. So I started doing a, um, a college course, one level at a time. And I absolutely loved it. I was using it to kind of get to know myself, if I'm completely honest. And um, the more I went into it, the more I enjoyed working with clients. And um, it's just, yeah, it, was, it all went from there. And, and here I am many, many years later, still loving, <laughs> absolutely loving what I do. So, yeah, I feel very privileged to do the, the job that I do. Brilliant. Yeah, it is very rewarding, isn't it, to be able to offer that service? And like you say, it's one of yeah. those things where it's almost healing for yourself as well. As a therapist, you learn a lot about yourself, don't you? 100% it's ongoing work, really, as, as you know. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's always ongoing. But, yes, I, it, it's a job that I absolutely love. And, and I'm very lucky with the clients that I have. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and as, as I mentioned before, I mean, I worked in a room for years, but, um, you know, when I was actually working as a recovery worker um, in the NHS, 
as as you know if you worked in the NHS, um, limited rooms, limited availabilities, and so my intention to want to actually do walking therapy initially the, the whole idea was well if I can get lots of therapists to do walking therapy or kind of you know it, it make it a little bit more well known and it becomes an option for therapists maybe it could actually start reducing NHS waiting lists because again you know if therapists are able to take clients outside there's not there's not a need to kind of wait until a room becomes available and as you know with the whole dismantling of the NHS um, this the, the waiting list at the minute are through the roof. So walking therapy becomes a really good option, a really viable option where but for people like myself who don't just work with CBT, um, you know, clients are able to actually start accessing, having walking therapy, actually uh, accessing sort of, you know, different different models of therapy as well. Yeah, brilliant. So what is walking therapy? How how did you sort of come about this? It's it's really fascinating. Obviously, I know what it is because I read it in your book. But for listeners, can you just explain to us what, what it is that you do? Yeah, so walking therapy, um, I mean, within sessions, walking therapy, so I take clients out for a walk in a park, you know, where, and for me, it was Richmond Park, Wimbledon Common. Um, it's where you'll usually find me. I mean, I'm very lucky because I go to other parks across London, Victoria Park, and, um, you know, we walk side by side out in nature. Um, and, you know, this is just great if you've got anxiety, if, you, if you're someone who doesn't really like facing a therapist or something opposite of a therapist, which can be very intimidating well, for, for some people who are feel, feel quite anxious, who feel quite under the spotlight. Um, it gets rid of all of that where you've got silences that might be a bit uncomfortable it lends you to, you know, those silences to feel a lot more comfortable. And of course, when you're walking in nature, you just calm, you calm down, the stress comes down, you're able to actually speak more freely um, without the feeling of, you know, again, a therapist not judging you, but someone being looking, looking at you like that in front of you. It, it It takes all of that away. And um, yeah, walking in nature, I mean, apart from anything else, when the stress comes down, walking in nature, um we're able to contact connect with our feelings and make contact with our feelings far more readily and it just makes the whole whole process a lot a lot easier from a client side yeah I can imagine if you're sometimes for some people it must be quite difficult to open up you're in a room with a therapist you don't really know but walking next to them because you're not making that eye contact it feels a bit safer in a way and it is about creating that safe space for people to open up isn't it and I think like you say, connecting to something bigger than yourself is quite helpful. So do you find that um, most of your clients are suffering from anxiety or depression? What sort of things do they come to you with? We're in a re- really interesting time at the minute. Hmm. Really interesting time. I've never really known anything like it with clients coming through the door. I mean, I thought stress was bad five years ago. I, I thought it was bad 10 years ago. It's through the roof at the minute. And with that, uh, just a lot of different issues relating to that. So whether it be anxiety, whether it be depression, whether it be what am I doing with my life, you know, really transitional issues. Of course, the pressure we feel in society can impact what's happening in the family home. Um, I'm finding, you know, with with um, a, a lot of parents being highly concerned about, you know, teenagers on social media, which is an ever-growing concern at the minute um and it's one that i'm greatly concerned of how that is affecting people's um, mental health of course social media can be used in a good way um but also one can live their life solely through social media and solely on the phone and that is just increasing all the time 
and as a result it's having a massive knock-on effect to, for teenagers mental health so there's a wide r- range of issues coming in at the minute but stress stress is the main one and I think it threads into all these other things because the more stress you have and the more we feel strangled we seek you know avenues of escapism and you know uh ways of soothing and of course these can uh, we can have seek avenues that these could be quite healthy and but of course you know these some of these avenues we take can be quite health unhealthy and of course affect our physiological and mental health as well yeah, absolutely. There is, you know, I was reading some stats on this and they were saying that burnout is on the rise worldwide, it's especially Generation Z and young millennials and women are the most uh, stressed, according to the latest sort of research by Future Forum. So they did a study of, I think it was 10,243 people and they found 42% people felt burnt out and that's a new record high and that was this year post-pandemic. Wow. Yeah, so it's huge and this is why therapies like walking therapy is is really important and I know in your book you say that it's really important when you go for a walk to disconnect from technology but a lot of people and including myself I'll go for a walk and I'm yeah I'm doing something good for my mental health but I've still got my phone with me and I'm still checking social media from time to time and that's not what you're sort of advocating in your book are you No we're addicted to social media addiction's going through the roof but we always think addiction is drinking drugs it's not and food or sex you know we 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 we've started talking about social media addiction and addiction is a huge subject, so I'm not going to go into that 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 too much. But social media addiction is very much fed to. I mean, everywhere we go, you know, look to the left, look to the right. Everyone's on their phones. We're conditioned. You know, we've got businesses. We've got you know lots of different things. You know, getting us. A lot of our world is defined, you know, by what other people are doing. So we get on our phones and we just get into the habit of using our phone the whole time. But the minute we do this, we're isolated. You know, the great the, the great success about social media is. Social media can actually connect us in, with a wider world, but it can also make the world incredibly small. And um, but at the minute, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think burnout. I've always it's always interesting, isn't it? Because burnout, and you go to your GP, it's like you've got work stress or burnout. No one ever calls it adrenal fatigue. Not one person will ever go, and they will say, well, they're different things. Medically, adrenal fatigue is is different, but the presentation's the same. And for me. Burnout, when you need to get up, you create adrenaline in your body to create motivation. That's what adrenaline does. It's a painkiller so we don't connect. We don't feel our feelings. How convenient. So the more we push through, the more we create, create, create adrenaline, the more we don't feel our feelings. And you do that day in and day out. And you push through the stress because that's what we do. We push through our pride and our sense of duty to our family because we've got to have a salary, we've got to live, we've got to survive. You know, the more we push ourselves into that tunnel of stress, we lose perspective, we make not great decisions. And we get ourselves, as a result of that, into a further hole that we that we feel more trapped in and it gets harder to get to get actually get, get out of as well. So walking allows you to step back, it creates a natural boundary. I need to get out in the day and we can step back from my working life and actually think about, well, what, what am I actually doing here? And actually, how important am I in the mix of all of this? Do I value myself more above everything else? And usually the answer is actually not really. And we get into these habits and it takes us away from us the whole time. Yeah, and there is this toxic culture, a hustle culture, a busyness culture that we've been fed this narrative. You know, you've constantly got to be busy, constantly be on 
um, social media, constantly be seen to be doing things. So people carry this shame and guilt and anger as well, don't they? When they feel like they're not doing enough or you comparing your life with somebody else's on social media and it, it often can trigger those those feelings, can't it? I think it's a really bad, we're in a really bad situation. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, and he used the best word, I think, when using social media, where teenagers come, come into it and he said, it's a disaster. <laughs> it's an absolute disaster. And I thought, what yeah. a great word, because it is an absolute disaster. We're not really using our brains in the way that we used to use our brains. We're not. And the thing is, this is the really sad thing where people cut. We know when we get the flu or when we remove ourselves from nature, or if we're in office, we, we never see the light of day for some time. And we come out, we're like, oh, my God, the world. It becomes a little bit more frightening. We, we have a disconnection with it. So when we go back at work, so it's really important that we 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 connect with a, an authentic world rather than an inauthentic world in order to kind of get in contact with our authenticity. And I feel the more we're getting in contact with just a life online, how can you possibly be authentic? How can you possibly, all of our sense of worth is judged by how other people look, what other people say, the, the Twitter trends. I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? Trends, what's trending? Uh, you know, how can we join the group? How can we get more likes? I mean, it's it pretty pretty insidious. It is, and it's, it's all about the metrics and the numbers, the number of followers, which doesn't mean anything in real life. If anything, those face-to-face connections, that quality connection that you have with people in real life is is what matters and it's it's a protective factor that helps to build your resilience isn't it and like you say in your book you know because it's called walk with your wolf and I will ask you more about that you use an analogy of a wolf throughout it don't you can you tell us more about that because it kind of leads into that whole need for human connection yeah I mean the wolf is actually the animal the part of all mm. of us, the part that is intuitive, the part that is sitting there day in and day out. If you're sitting in your office right now, if you're watching this podcast and you're thinking, do I really want to be here? No. <laughs> your intuition, your inner wolf is going, I want to get out. Well, why don't you? Because I can't, because I've got to work, because my manager, I've got this, I've got deadlines. So, you know, again, the intuition is, we know what our, we, our intuition is incredibly important, but we we, we choose not to, listen to it sometimes the more we don't listen to it and also act upon it it becomes more distant like in any relationship we have if i if i if you ask me to do something and i said to you no if you do that several times you're not really going to trust me are you you know that relationship's going to create more distance and it's it's exactly the same with the intuitive the, the relationship we have with our intuition and people say well sometimes my intuition isn't right i said well that's the same in every relationship isn't it so the intuition, the wolf is about how we live simply. My book is about helping you understand, number one, about what creates anxiety, depression, all these other different mental health conditions. But it all comes back to the fact of our intuition, the way we're meant to live, is actually far more simple. And the reason we're getting these symptoms like anxiety and depression is because we are going against our intuition. We're going against how we are designed to live because we are getting caught up and we are getting trapped by the way society is is rolling and that we've normalized and we say well this is how I've got to live and actually you know what what a line I I was going to swear but I'm not going to on your podcast Um, 
what what a lot of rubbish you know we everything comes down to a choice and where people feel they no longer have a choice that's when you're in trouble we can make decisions to live a simpler life what does our animal need but we choose not to listen to it sometimes and the first as i said before the more we don't listen to our intuition the more distance it becomes yeah it is very much uh reactive impulsive head driven people are not listening to their gut feelings their intuition because they're not in tune with it because we're just fed all this information and conditioned by society that we haven't really checked in with ourselves and that's what walking is really about that's what you're trying to encourage in your book aren't you with walking therapy yeah um when we get when we get out into nature we have a moment to think and feel and as you said, sometimes that's quite hard because if the adrenaline drops, we get in contact with our feelings. And I think, you know, if we are trying to process some feelings, that there is an instant desire not to feel our feelings due to it might feel uncomfortable for the time being. But I think I, what I found out is when we walk for half an hour, some people say, well, go for, go for half an hour walk. I'm like, it needs to be longer than that. The first half hour is really kind of just letting the stress kind of, you know, come down. But then we start drifting, we start streaming, we start kind of looking at things and connecting and processing some feelings and just kind of going, actually, you know what? Having a look around and just kind of going, my God, what? nature is vast. It, it's kind of, you know, why am I getting caught up <laughs> in this thing I don't need to get caught up in? So yeah. stepping out of nature provides you with perspective. Stepping away from the desk, stepping away from the phone, we need to do to get a sense of connecting, connecting with ourselves, but reducing stress. And the more we reduce stress, we come out of this, what I call tunnel, tunnel of stress, where we lose sight of everything on the periphery and we connect with everything on the periphery, our family, our friends, the things that are important, the things that give us balance, the things that give us perspective. Mm. Yeah, it's very easy to get lost in your own head and amplify problems and make them big once you get on that sort of Um, downward spiral with your thoughts so yeah I find personally getting out in nature is wonderful for me for that very reason it gives me that perspective like you said gives you that breathing space to just get away from from all that noise and, and check in with yourself and what it is you're feeling and just talking about feelings it's something that's been quite common on Healing Place so far a lot of people struggle to name feelings even to articulate their emotions it's not something we're taught at school so when you're walking with your clients uh, doing your walking therapy how do you sort of encourage them to well as you know from reading my book I'm big I do an exercise called name the feelings because I completely agree with you it is very hard if you've been brought up as a child and you're feeling a certain way and your parent hasn't said you look sad or you look anxious and there's not that vocabulary how how are you possibly meant to know what that is I mean, I've had clients, you know, um, you know, later in their years connect you know, with, with naming the feeling and going, wow, is that what it is? When I'm walking, really, if they're, if they're it's, it's exactly that. I think it's more about, as you, as you know, as a therapist is taking on a parental stance. So if they are feeling a certain way, what is that feeling, you know, in nature? So if it's in nature, sometimes it's a case of, is it, is it a messy feeling? Is it a, is it a low feeling? Uh, and really, it's it's a case of just reflecting back and say, well, you seem anxious or you seem angry. Angry is a really funny one because a lot of people go, I'm not angry. You know, because a lot of, I mean, as I said, I in my book, what I wanted to do is actually my book, I, I, just, I wrote 
I wrote for people who, number one, can't maybe can't afford therapy, maybe is like on a waiting list trying to get some sort of form of therapy. They've got anxiety, they've got depression, and they don't know how they're feeling for this reason. So at least it will give them, if they go out into nature, it will give them the opportunity to, to go, what creates anxiety, what creates depression? So it's not just about naming the feeling, it's what feeling or repressing a feeling then creates other things. So if I repress anger, I'm going to start feeling really more anxious. And by dealing with the anger, the anxiety is going to come down, which a lot of people don't correlate. They don't correlate internalizing anger to kind of increased stress, increased frustration, and then the alarm going off, which is anxiety. And anxiety is in a completely normal, really important emotion that people are trying to get rid of with antidepressants. They're trying to not listen to it. They're trying to push through. I just want it to go away rather than listen to it and make the changes. So as you said, so naming the feeling is really important because unless the feeling's on the table, you can't put anything in place to learn how to, man how to manage that feeling or to kind of find some sort of um, solution to, you know, decreasing it if it's heavy and it's creating problems for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think anger is an interesting one. Like you said, it's it's one of those emotions that has so much negative press. People, oh, no, you can't get angry. It's got so much negativity around it, yet it's a, it's a necessary emotion. It's something that we need to learn to express healthfully because otherwise it can lead to depression and anxiety and all of these other mental health issues that, that you've just mentioned as well. Interestingly, the World Health Organization have just announced recently in the last week that antidepressants should not be now prescribed as the first line of treatment. Mm. It should be talking therapies or in your case, walking therapy. So that's a good sign because you're not then just treating the symptom, which is what I think you're saying as well. 100%. I mean, I think as you know, I mean, and, and again, I think there are some cases, of course, where depressants do need to be handed out, but it needs to be done alongside counselling, and, and it needs to be monitored every month, not just hand out and then it's it, and then it's permanent. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, walking therapy for me, if, if if especially for conditions like if someone is 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 grieving or you've got depression or you've got anxiety or you've got stress, I mean, it, it's it's a known, it's statistically proven. And um, I do think, you know, we need to be looking at more holistic, holistic methods, you know, such, such as these rather than instantly going for for um, for antidepressants. But, yeah, I mean, as you said, stress is the big one. I mean, if you are stressed, you are going to be angry. Um, you know, we repress our anger in like a, a, a boiler that's got no release valve. It's either going to go, woo, 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 that alarm's going to go off. Well, that's anxiety. Or it's going to go, yeah, and it's yeah. going to shut down, and that's depression. Those two bits of information is really useful because a lot of time people will go into the depression and they will go, actually, let's go into the past. Let's dig things up, which, again, is a model that I do, which is really, really important. But I, and, and still make and yet make no changes to their life. So I think the, the changes we need to make to our lifestyle at the minute in an ever increasing stress society is first and foremost one of the most important things to do with AI on the, on the rise, with technology on the rise, um, with what's coming through technology, which is stress, fear, which everybody I think can relate to at the minute. I think people need to step away uh, and actually reset. And I think the skill is how do you live a simple life how do you get a breather? How do you bring? Because again, if you're a parent and you're unregulated, that's going to have a massive knock on effect to your children as well. 
you know, and, and kids who are stressed, they need to kind of be able to get off the phone and have a conversation with you. And if we've got technology in the way of that, how are you possibly going to have, have that kind of relationship, that kind of trust in the relationship with your kids that's necessary to allow them to come forward to you to talk about things if it's on their mind? Because, of course, they're going to feel disconnected. So I think maintaining that, that connection, we're talking about connection and the importance of connection. Um, I'm just kind of streaming as I'm talking to you as well. But yeah, when you walk outside in, when you walk outside in nature, you connect, you can connect with yourself. You can connect with the person next to you. You put it, you put that, you put down technology and there's the third, the third, that third person is no longer in the room and it's just you and the other person. Yeah, absolutely. We do absolutely need to take a step back and, and this is where nature is, is critical, and like you say, with, with parents as well, if you're regulated, then your children are likely to also feeling that got someone to turn to that connection. Really, what we're saying is having some boundaries in place, some boundaries between tech and our personal and professional life as well, because obviously boundaries can get very, very blurred mm. with us being connected all the time on social media. How do we use nature to do that? Because I know in your book, and I, I love this, you said to go out for a walk and look for the physical boundaries. And I thought that was really clever. So could you tell us yeah, a bit more Yeah, that was kind of very that? symbolic because I think it's kind of, if we don't know what a boundary is, it, I, I didn't know what a boundary was. I mean, I, my teenage years was breaking boundaries. I thought what well, they, they said when someone said, <laughs> said well, in counselling, in group therapy, they said you need to have more boundaries. I thought boundary was... A little bit of string that went around the cricket pitch. That's what I thought boundary was. They said, "Oh yeah, boundary. I know what a boundary is." <laughs> they said, "Yeah, not not quite in that way. Not quite in that way. Symbolically, we could probably use that." So, so for boundaries, for me, it's to see the necessity of boundaries. Why why do we have to have boundaries? Because my my as a teenager, my job was to break boundaries down. I love breaking boundaries down. I was anarchic. Mm-hmm. I was angry. I was I was doing all that one absolute nightmare you know but I really feel for my teachers and my parents I mean I look back and I'm like I'm like oh wow you know so and now I'm a parent so I've got the joy of putting boundaries down for my kids and see the necessity of doing that as well and they're very responsive to that which is wonderful but yeah when you see a physical boundary whether it be I I say in my book you know if you had um you know that that thing in the sea that kind of stops the sea from going into the houses if you live very close to the to, to the the coast, that's a necessary boundary. That's a physical boundary that needs to be there. Um, you, you know, so it's kind of using symbolically to see that the, the boundaries are there that have a purpose. They're there to keep us safe. They are there to protect us from um, what's coming our way from other people. And as we know, there's a lot of people who don't take accountability and they love to throw that stuff onto us. And we're, we're meant to just take it. And of course, I think if you're a sensitive person, which I grew up being a sensitive person, putting boundaries down is so much harder because you're scared of confrontation. And, you know, you sent, you can set, people can sense my weakness. They're going to take advantage of that. So putting a boundary down means confrontation. So if you're scared of confrontation, that means putting a boundary down. It's incredibly hard, but people don't see that it's necessary for safety and for our protection. And also, if we're putting boundaries in place for other people, like for kids, for instance, you know, they're not going to love you for it. They're not meant to love you for it, but they do trust Mm. it and they do feel safe as much as they hate it. As much as they hate it, they will feel safe, you know, as we feel safe as well so it's incredibly to feel safe it's important yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that, on the boundaries. It is difficult to put them down, especially if you're and like you, I'm also really sensitive and you don't want that confrontation. And I'm a bit of a people pleaser as well. So some of us, and a lot of us are, are people pleasers, but actually now you get to a certain stage where you think, well, I, I'm so glad I've got those boundaries because it does protect your energy. It does stop you getting drained. It stops you from overgiving as well. Because sometimes you can get to that point of depletion and burnout because you're just giving too much. So yeah, those boundaries are really, really important. And I like how you can get out in nature to sort of reflect on what boundaries look like for you as well. I think boundaries are really important if you are feeling burnt out, whether that's professionally or personally in your life, you really need to start looking at where you can start saying no, because no is a complete sentence. And a lot of us find it very difficult to say no and put those boundaries in place. So for anybody who's listening and is struggling with burnout, you probably need to have a look at your boundaries and tweak those and getting out in nature might be a good way to reflect on those, go for a walk. When you step out into nature, I hear all of that and I agree with that. And also, you know, when we're saying no to someone, we're stepping into a potential power struggle. And we, by not saying no, we're giving someone all of our power. There you go. You have the power and you tell me what I can and can't do. I mean, we're adults, you know, we're not we're not in our teens anymore. Um, and when people say to me, I can't take time off, I can't do this. I said, you've made your choice. You've just made your choice. You've just designed what, what's going to happen in your life for the next month or two months. When people then suddenly have burnout and they have to take time off. Oh, now you can say now. No no now now no you know but but because you're you're forced to you know and uh, and then other people and we got we're now in a kind of a really vulnerable state so it's basically saying no before we are you know burnt out more stressed um and we're doing much 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 more damage to ourselves you know so yeah no no is it no is a complete sentence um, but we have to be able to believe in ourselves and value ourselves above and beyond what the other person, what we think someone else needs, you know, um, and, and not entering power struggles because people are very good at, you know, holding a certain power to make you feel scared or to make you make you feel you're never going to have a, a perfect audience. You can have people that are intimidating, but you cannot abandon yourself because the minute you abandon yourself by going with what someone else thinks that you need um the minute you say no you're no longer abandoning yourself you're standing by your side and you're protecting yourself and that's the most important thing yeah absolutely and i, I it's, it's this whole thing about empowerment isn't it and and i think nature is also very good at showing us and embodying those power images and again you know I keep referring back to your wonderful book Walk With Your Wolf because you talk about these power images within nature I mean I teach mindfulness and I use the mountain quite often with my patients and even for myself because for me a mountain represents strength it represents stillness regardless of the weather that's around it the storms whether it's sunshine or it's raining the mountain still stays strong and stable and stays very true to itself so I find that a really helpful exercise in sort of visualization what sort of things do you turn to in nature or or have you used with your clients that you can share with us 
I, for me, it's always, I, I mean, I can speak personally because I think my clients, everyone's got something very, very different. I mean, I'll always, I'll always say, you know, to a client, what stands out more than anything else? So if someone says, oh, it's a, it's a tree or it's a sky, we develop that because it always, it means something, you know? Um, so there's always, I mean, I, I, in the summertime, I love the clouds. I love looking up at the sky. Um, as you said, you know, when, when one is in a power struggle at work or we're feeling very powerless, I mean, my higher power is nature. I mean, I look around and think, wow, you know, that's more powerful than me. Absolutely, 100%. So um, for me, it's not just trees, it's all of it for me. I mean, for me, I'll be honest with you. For me, it's the seasons. I love the seasons, you know. And I'm loving, I love autumn, I love going out, it's something colder, I feel alive, it's cold on my skin. Um, and the colours change, you know, so even though sometimes life can feel stuck, the seasons remind me that life is, is still moving forward, you know. Uh, and that for me is something very, very powerful because I think sometimes we can feel very, very stuck and we can feel that you know, we're not going anywhere, but we, but we are, you know, it's just... Sometimes we don't get to where we need to be in our own time. But, you know, night just, the seasons changing is, is something I always look forward to and something I love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There is something about that transition, isn't it? Especially for me, I like when spring starts because you get all that new birth and renewal and growth. It's like you get this burst of energy and it just, yeah, I do love spring. So is autumn your favourite season? It is, it is. And I was thinking, as just as you were saying this, I was thinking as we were talking, I was thinking, you know, when people hear our conversations like us and they're going, oh, you're being so kind of happy. Can you say happy now? You're being so, oh, God, all I need to do is like, you know, get my, get, get, get my crystals out or go outside and, and do all of that kind of stuff. I can, I can hear other people going, is that going to, is that going to sort my life out? You know, and and the answer is, yeah, it is actually, to be fair, it really is. Because, um, you, you know, I love the way that people put this stuff to one side because the other stuff becomes just so important. And everything that you're saying, you know, ways to kind of, I love the mount, your mountain analogy. And um, I love that we have the same, that same thought of, um, you know, we we need life to kind of stop. And the one thing that stops us, I feel, stops people from listening to this is pride and arrogance. Um, I think pride is like, no, I need to look after my family. I need to go to work. I need to save face. Arrogance, I know better. I'm stronger. Best of luck with that. Because I'll tell you something from my own experience. You chase, you run away from your feelings. They will inevitably catch up. <laughs> inevitably so. We're human, and I think there's something about having a humble approach. Nature humbles me. It puts me in the place. It reminds me where I'm at, and I love that it does that. And when I immerse myself in nature, I take that time out. Do you know what? If I'm having a bad week nine out of ten times, I'm coming back, and I'm feeling better, you know, and I've got my stuff Again, I'm not swearing. I've got my stuff together again and, and I'm ready and I feel absolutely rejuvenated. So a lot of people saying, oh, that's not going to sort it out. I'm going to say to them if, they, if they're listening, these, these people, you know, when was the last time you did it? How long for? Ten minutes. Well done. Not enough. How many times during the week did you do it? Once in, in every two weeks. Oh, Okay. Maybe you want to think about stepping it up. When was the last time you went out with a colleague and had a walking meeting? 
Oh, you don't do walking meetings. Okay. Well, maybe that's something you can put in. So again, we are very much, so to the people who want to block, you're going to block. Look for solutions, not problems. What's interesting is when I've seen people um, who are, who have had about four burnouts, they give into it. They're, suddenly they're like, no, I'm, more, I'm not going to put myself through that again. You know, and, and my, my, my reflection back to, to everyone is why wait until then? Mm. And how many times do you have to fall? How many times do you have to hurt yourself before you realize just how important you are, how your health is? And, and, and also just take a bit of a risk. When other people say the more time that you take out, you're going to work more productively. You're going to be more effective. You're going to make better decisions. When people say this, you know, who actually live this way, as they do in parts of Europe, we're awful in the UK, yeah. awful in America as well, awful. We are so behind in getting the balance right. And, and and but the people who do take that chance, take a chance, you know, to, you know, put these breaks in doesn't have to be that long, you know, but you put that in and work the other way around, put yourself at the top of the list. The, the transformation to your life is next level. And, and you start making these decisions where you start building a life where actually you wake up with a smile rather than, oh, my God, that feeling of dread that, of course, comes with um, a feeling of burnout. Yeah, absolutely. Those regular breaks throughout the day, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at lunchtime, even half an hour after work, just get outside into nature, check in with yourself, mm. check in with your emotions. Just you have to decompress and, mm. and just calm your parasympathetic nervous system. And like mm. you say, you know, why wait till you're not able to get out for a walk? Prevention is far better than the cure. The, the skeptics and the cynics around, you know, the crystals and the tree huggers. And actually, I was going to ask you, have you ever actually hugged a tree? No. No. <laughs> I have. Oh, that's lovely. Well, I'm going to tell you, there is actually scientific evidence yeah. to show that when we hug a tree, yeah. um, we release oxytocin because mm -hmm. we love hugs. Yeah. So hugging a tree is just like having a hug with somebody else. So there's nothing wrong with it. Depends so on the tree. Depends on the tree. Yeah. It depends on the tree. It could be quiet. It could, it could be very comfortable or quiet. You know, quiet. But, but no, I, I, I have, I have, I have put my head against the tree. I remember. I, I absolutely endorse that. I, I think, I think even if one doesn't want to hug a tree, being around them for me, making a connection. I mean, I think I feel very protected when I walk through trees. I think you know, I look up. They're around me. You know, there's a structure. I feel really like, even when I touch them, I feel like they're hugging me. You know, I walk beside them. I see. I mean, I feel all nature is. is uh, you become. <laughs> they become. That I say. I always say they become more familiar and then familial. They become part of our family. You know, and yeah. the great thing about it is it's consistent. You know, we can always go out. We can always do this. But I didn't know that. I'm, I never knew you were a tree hugger. I'm a I'm an actual <laughs> literal right, tree hugger. Well, good for you. I, I'm not, I may need to probably give that give that a go. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Well, give it a go and let us know. But mm. there there is that whole forest bathing. That was all a bit of a trend in the last couple of years. That's all sort of come out as well now, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I, again, well, it's lots of different things, isn't it? Like you know, kind of um, we had um, uh, freshwater swimming, which I'm still not going to do. 
you know, I'm, I, I cold shower, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to get out in some sort of lake and freeze, freeze, freeze. But the people that do, I mean, it's incredible the benefits. I'm just not brave enough, quite frankly. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think we talk about getting out of nature and doing all these things. What we're actually saying is we're stepping away once again from technology. We're stepping out of the office. We're connecting with a real world rather than a fake world. Um, and, and again, this is the scary. I was in a coffee shop the other day and I, I sort of had this conversation. And I, I don't know. It just seemed wise. I don't know why. So I said, good morning. It's morning. And um, I said, uh, I said, it's um, it's great because they said they, they made him and his partner made a remark. We're going to put the phones down. I said, it's good to put the phones down, don't we? I said, he said, well, that's something we failed with our kids. I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, so what advice, if you had to go back and do it again, what advice would you would you say? And he would say, I would get them to read more. And I said, why? He said, because through social media, it's one consciousness. It's a lot of the same messaging coming through. But with books, our imagination, we explore different worlds. You know, it's, you know, where, where, you know it, our brain's able to roam free. When we go outside, we're using our imagination imagination is becoming a thing of the past and it's so sad to see because again we're filling through social media i imagine that why do you need an imagination you know people are living virtually when i go out walking i use my imagination when i step away from the desk i step away from work i'm using my imagination again i'm dreaming it's so important to dream and think it is. you know and think about our family and, to, and, and take time to consider them you know i haven't heard from thingy in a while i might give them a ring we reconnect connections the most we know what it feels like when someone connects with us you know the one thing i heard you saying when you hug a tree is it's connecting with you you feel that connection you know and i'm saying connection look what i'm doing i didn't even notice mm. that i'm holding my heart you know yeah, and we okay. we now know don't we the parts of the brain you know are, are are also you know the same cells as what's in the heart it's we it's yeah. it's absolutely it's fascinating it's connected which makes complete sense i love that i love all of that what you've just said in that whole sort of the, the connection and it's just so so important mm. and really so true as well so i just yeah that's just wonderful is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners yeah, I, I think I think really for me, we really are in a quite a difficult time in society at the minute. There's a lot of instability. There's a lot of ever changing parts. So I'd say trying what I get, I want to share what I get from nature and taking time out of that day is I get consistency. And when I walk, I feel grounded. I get stability. And I get reminded that nature is millions of years old and it almost gives me the message that it's going to be okay. I need to connect to something that's more powerful, that that kind of something that gives me a consistent message in an ever-changing society. So I think where we can, a lot of us can feel out of control, take control back. And at least by taking these actions, you know, that is us making an empowered decision to do something for us, you know, for our well-being. And, and I, I guarantee when you, as, as the listener already knows, when they, when they do these things, they will always feel better. So the question is, why, what's stopping you from doing it more? And if you tackle that question, that's the big thing that's getting in your way. Yeah. So that's what I'd say. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Thank you. And how often would you recommend people get get out in a day or in a week? Every day. We're not design- we we need to get out every day. And I'd say like we need to like when we wake up, we do our teeth. You know, if you're walking to work, walk to work. It's right. We'll find a million excuses and sometimes we won't get it right. Things will get in the way as, as, as that happens and that's fine. But you need to make the time to get out every day. We need to get some sunlight. We need to we need to, we need to get outside. We need to walk. We need but if you but more importantly, you've got to start putting the phone down. Hundred percent. Trust me, and you heard it here first. Mm. Watch in the next five, ten years of social media addiction and what this is doing to people's mental health. It's scary. And addiction, if addiction's like a persona, it's loving every second of it. Yeah. It's sinister. It's insidious. So don't play the game what everyone else is doing. Create your own own rules, your own strategy and, and how you want to live. And more important, don't think it, action it. Mm. It's so true. This is social media and the way AI and technology go and is scary in terms of mental health because people are already addicted to the red love hearts, the likes. It's it's mm. getting them the dopamine hits. It's activating those reward systems without realization. It becomes habitual. And you're right. We absolutely need to step away and find the real connection that protect our mental health. Real connection because a heart and an emoji isn't a person. No. And you know what? There's no words attached to that. It's lazy. <sighs> we're not, you know, we need to be able to tell people how we really feel, not with just a heart. There you go. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So if listeners want to find your work, where can they find you? Just put in my name and um, uh, the, on Amazon, I'm selling my book primarily. Um, it's at Waterstones and um um, I've, I've got an audible book that you read as well. Um, so I would say to anyone that is on a waiting list um, that's not coming around on the NHS, if you don't know what's creating anxiety, if you don't know what's creating depression, if you've gone through a, a, a gr- grief, um, if you've, you're dealing with shame um, and if you're going through burnout, my book will give you exercises at the end of each chapter. It will explain what anxiety is, what it does, what's creating these mental health um, issues and and how to get yourself out of it and, and at least able to kind of give you some sort of solid ground in the interim whilst you're waiting to go and um, and have counselling. So for, I, I would say the, the reason I wrote the book is, is is for that as well. Yeah, and it is a very good book. Like I said, I've just, I've just listened to it and it's really helpful. So thank you for that. My pleasure. And thank you for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to have you. I've loved our conversation. Fantastic. My pleasure. Thanks, Mita. Thank you. Take care. I thoroughly enjoyed this motivating conversation with Jonathan. I found the power of walking to help us step away from technology and connect with ourselves and real people is critical in reducing stress and preventing burnout. As Jonathan says, you have to believe in and value yourself over and beyond what someone else thinks you need. Stand up for your needs and do not abandon yourself. I hope this episode inspired some of you to take back some control in your life. I'll be back next week with another fantastic guest. So please make sure you're back here by following the podcast on Spotify or Apple. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do leave us a review 
on Apple Podcasts or share with a friend who might find it helpful. Thank you so much for listening. Keep healing. Take care.